There are a good many ways that institutional investors are taking best advantage of this versatile market created by broad public participation. Hello and welcome to the Decrypting Crypto Podcast. I'm Matthew Howes-Barbie and today I'm speaking with Bumsy. He is one of the founders of CrabbaDAO and one of the early contributors to the Krabada ecosystem and that's what we're going to be talking all about today. We're going to be talking a little bit about Crabadow, but mainly about Crabada. It is a play and earn game on the Avalanche network. It has been contributing nearly 50% of all of Avalanche's gas transactions and <laughs> driving up fees over there, which I'm sure the non-Crabada players and contributors in Avalanche are delighted about. But there's lots of plans to to make some changes there, and I think it just shows the early adoption that Krabada has had within Avalanche. It's a really fun game. I have been playing around on it a little bit, and like with nearly every play and earn ecosystem, uh, it's got its challenges, and I think it's also got a lot of really exciting features coming up ahead and they're doing quite a few innovative things especially utilizing some of Avalanche's new subnets um, introducing new modes of gameplay and just overall I think it's a really cool ecosystem to take a little look at uh, have a little look at the things that they are doing to grow and scale the economy around the game and how they're managing the supply and demand side of things. And Bumsy really knows his stuff. He's been deeply entrenched in this ecosystem for quite a while now. And we really dig into all the gory details of how everything works, how um, individuals and uh, participants of the ecosystem can create income from it, as well as what the gameplay entails and everything in between that. So we're going to dive straight into that great interview right after this. If you're struggling to get your head around the complexity of decentralized finance, I have something just for you. Decrypting DeFi is an online course where I walk you through all of the important concepts within DeFi and share step-by-step -step tutorials on how to start generating income from your crypto assets. Whether you're interested in this from an investment point of view or just want to better understand how things like yield farming, liquidity mining, and staking works, the course will have something for you. Head over to mhb.xyz forward slash DeFi to learn more. Welcome, Bumsy, to the Decrypting Crypto Podcast. Wonderful to have someone who has been very much immersed in the Krabada ecosystem on the podcast. And why don't we just start by you just giving a little bit of an overview of Krabada as a whole and uh, kind of generally what Krabada is all about and what you why you believe it's even an interesting ecosystem for someone to pay attention to. Hey there, Matthew. Yeah, thanks for having me. Delighted to be on the podcast with you and share about Krabada. So I believe that Krabada is one of the most interesting play to earn, or we like to call it play and earn games out there. It's actually one of the more successful projects in the space that 
maybe a vast majority of users haven't heard of yet, but it was heavily inspired by Axie Infinity. Um, the team took a lot of cues from that game and saw what areas could be improved and essentially made a, a game that kind of filled in a lot of those gaps. Um, it's a game that is living on the Avalanche blockchain, and it is currently the number one dApp on there. So it routinely takes up around 30 to 40% of the gas, which is both a good thing in terms of the activity, but also um, potentially high costs. And they're working it's a huge, on it's a, a huge amount, right? Huge amount of yeah. uh, activity coming from one single uh, play and end game, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's actually something that they're looking to solve with their own subnet, which is essentially an L2 that they plan on launching next month. So excited about that. Um, but yeah, basically, Krabata is an Axie-like game that is on Avalanche. And the main avatars or NFTs are crabs. And so um, it's been doing very well. It's routinely been a top 10 NFT worldwide by volume, which is very surprising for the amount of users. Um, and just to kind of put into perspective, it surpassed Axie's volume by around two to two and a half times. Um, so yeah, it's pretty popular and doing pretty well. And it's got a lot of exciting things coming up for it. Wow. And when you when you say it's uh, it's it's surpassed Axie's volume, are we talking about secondary market sales just just so i can quantify when we're talking about being a top 10 nft how are we how are we measuring that yeah uh definitely believe that it's data that's being tracked um i think it's primary and secondary sales um okay and the data source that i look at is cryptoslam.io uh, essentially tracks a bunch of nfts across different blockchains yeah and it's this that's an impressive uh stat considering i guess the the game still being really in its in its infancy how how, how many daily active users is there right now um on Krabata? yeah so currently it's actually we just hit around seven thousand daily active users which uh may not sound like too much but that slots us into the top 25 of play to earn games and so it's decently well known but with some of the upcoming catalysts like the scholarship modes and um, the the battle and adventure modes that are coming out, uh, we anticipate that there's going to be a large influx of new users coming in. Interesting. So, so why don't we dig into the, I guess not necessarily the roadmap, but maybe where we are today with with Krabata. Can you talk a little bit about the game itself? So you mentioned you've got these fun little crabs and you know i've been playing around in Krabata for the past couple of months and it is it is a very fun especially from the uh the visuals the artwork inside the game and just the general gameplay it seems though at the same time it it's still in its early phase and there's a lot of exciting features which i'm sure we're going to be able to come into but what what how do how do people engage in the game today what are the different types of gameplay modes and maybe you can elaborate a little bit more on that yeah, absolutely. So right now, it's sort of in the beta stage, and there's something available called Idle Game. And uh, it's a mode where you essentially assemble a crab team, which requires 
up to three crabs uh, to start out. And essentially you're going out on mining missions and other people who see you mining, they can potentially attack you and try to loot your rewards that you're trying to gain. Um, it's something where you have to kind of click around a little bit here and there every few hours, but it's not something where you're constantly uh, needing attention at the computer. So that's the current main mode that exists right now. Um, but the is next that, is phase... That like a, is that kind of like a bit of like a turn-based type mode? So you're not going to need to be kind of at the screen, so to speak, for uh, hours at a time, right? Yeah, I would say turn-based is a great way to put it. Essentially, if you're mining, you can do it every three and a half to four hours, and you can get looted in between that period of time. So you may need to kind of check back every now and then. Um, so yeah. Um, but yeah, there's actually two new modes coming out in the very near future, um, the next month. And it's going to be called the adventure mode as well as battle mode. So adventure mode is a lot more interactive where you can sort of imagine in games like Mario where you've got a map and you go around to different worlds and different levels. Um, you collect different items and you use those to uh, level up your crab essentially to get it stronger and have other attributes that will help you. Um, and it all goes towards battle mode essentially where you'll be able to potentially battle other people um, as well as bosses in the game so we call that pvp um, but also pve as well great yeah those those two i i had a little look at the adventure mode. definitely gave me some like nostalgia from the likes of yeah, Mario's. I, I looked at the visuals and it reminded me a little bit of like Crash Bandicoot, things like that, when you, you've got all these different stages that you're going through. And it seems like the battle mode is much more akin to what we're starting to see with some of the newer, feature, uh, the newer experiences inside Axie and other games, which it, it is battle mode exclusively PvP um, uh, that it's going to be? Well, the game developers refer to battle mode as a combination of the play play to earn adventure mode as well as playing other players so oh, okay i believe it's a little bit of both from my knowledge and uh, do you, do you have a sense of when that's when that's set to set to come yeah so it's actually coming in the next 2 to 3 weeks so mid may i'm not sure when this podcast will come out but Mid-May is when they're planning to release a lot of these features, including their own subnet um, and the battle mode, as well as scholarship features. Yeah, well, let, let's talk a little bit about the the subnet, because I think this is this is a really important one. I think what we're seeing across a lot of play and earn ecosystems is pretty much what every single uh, play, play and earn game is is facing right now, which is challenges in controlling emissions in their from their reward tokens and i saw some of the information that was being shared about krabada taking advantage of avalanche's new subnets building their own i think they're calling it the swimmer network and they're doing some interesting stuff in there right? i believe they're going to be using the the native 
TUS token as like gas, which should really help with like burning. Like what 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 do you see as being some of the the big value kind of points that that come with the introduction of Swimmer Network? Yeah, so if I can, I think that uh, there's around three main points that the the subnet can potentially address and add value in. So the first one is the gas fees. So as I mentioned, Krabata has sort of been a victim of its own success. It's um, really taken up a lot of the gas on Avalanche network around 30 to 40%. And so um, I don't know if the developers ever imagined that at this point, uh, there'd be so many daily transactions every single day. And so having Krabata's own subnet network will essentially be able to reduce gas fees by around 85% is what the team is projecting. So for the players of the game, it's going to be a lot less costly. And then for the rest of the Avalanche network, it's going to declog a lot of... Um, of the transactions that are happening there. The second most bullish thing is that the in-game token called TUS or Treasure Under the Sea, um, it's going to become a major token sink because it is the gas token that's going to be used on the subnet. So essentially you're going to need it for transactions and um, there's going to be a lot of burning going on related to that. Um, and so, yeah, that's pretty unique in the sense that for Axie, they have their own network token called Ronin. Um, and for, you know, some of their other elements, they're using different tokens as well. However, in Krabata, the token that you earn called TUS is also used for potentially buying your NFTs, as well as reading fees, and then now with the subnets as a gas token as well. Um, I, think, I think this is a really clever play. I, this was one of the things that got me kind of excited about digging into Krabata, actually, because, um, you know, I, I think Plan and tokenomics are very much still in their infancy, right? And there's, I, I would, I would class some of the stuff that Krabada are doing with TUS as pretty innovative in just even the way that they're thinking about giving it additional utility, um, which could be really valuable. That there are some other tokens that they that they have inside Krabada as well, right? Uh, yeah, absolutely. So. Um, like you said, I would say in the world of play-to-earn economics, it's still pretty early, and we haven't seen too many games be able to scale out um, to you know, hundreds of thousands or tens of thousands of users in a very economically sustainable way. And like you said, I do think that the TUS token and the design around it, the people who are part of the team are um, very smart and have really put a lot of thought into this and they've made it incredibly recursive. So like I just mentioned, um, they're finding all sorts of token sinks and usages for the in-game currency, which um, should make it a lot more sustainable 
once new players enter the game. Um, and so, yeah, that's actually one of the main reasons why I'm personally very bullish on this project, as well as a lot of other people in the community as well, is like the sustainability aspects that the, that the game is thought of. Um, but yeah, there are other tokens as well um, that you mentioned. So there's a governance token called CRA, other known as Krabata. Um, currently right now, it is mainly going to be used for governance, but the team has hinted that there's going to be some value accrual mechanics added on later. Um, and there's also a token called CRAM, which is Crobata Amulets. And you get this from staking the CRA token and locking it. And um, the way that they add value to this is that you need it for certain in-game mechanics. So it's an in-game token. And for right now, it allows you to run more teams from um, wallets. And in the future, it's going to be used for special mining zones and rewards. And um, also, it's going to play a huge role in the scholarship mode, where people will need it in order to add scholars to their account. Right. And so if I, if I were to recap for everyone listening, just here from what you've, you've mentioned about the different ways, if we focus a little bit on the, the earn side of, of play and earn right now, we've got the looting and the mining side of things where people can earn income from the game and you need a team of three to do those, which requires you to either mint, uh, either breed some existing Krabada or buy them directly off the, the secondary market or from within the Krabada marketplace. You've got breeding where, like in many games, actually being a good obvious example of this, you can breed uh, new crabs with from two existing um, crabs that you own. You could then sell those off for a potential profit. And then I think there's also renting of your crabs that you can do right now, uh, which is probably the most passive way that you can start earning here. And then we've got the new areas uh, or features that are coming in the form of the battle game and the adventure mode as well. And then you just mentioned there the scholarship program. And I'd love to hear a little bit more about this because right now in many play and earn ecosystems, you have the ability to just simply buy up assets and then like rent them or delegate them out or have a scholarship program like an Axie that, that doesn't necessarily exist right now in the truest sense outside of like renting in the tavern of uh, Krabada. And this is what Krabada's discipleships program is what I believe. I don't know if it's still being called that, but maybe you can expand on this and why this might be a, an interesting addition to the Krabada ecosystem. Yeah, absolutely. You mentioned a lot of the ways that you can currently play the game and earn different income streams from the game. And I just want to note that there's actually been a good amount of community people doing analysis on this game. A couple of those people that come to mind are Miko from Play to Earn Analytics, as well as Gojo. Um, there are two guys on Twitter. You can look them up. And a conservative estimate at the moment from the game is around 
APY. And so it's pretty profitable to play the game. And recently, due to the high gas costs, it hasn't been as profitable. But with the subnet transition happening, a lot of us expect it to potentially be able to maintain or um, potentially be even more profitable, which is definitely an exciting part of the game itself. So I just wanted to mention that out there for anyone who was curious. Um, and yeah, definitely when you mention the discipleships, the game has opted to call it that rather than scholarships. Um, they believe it has a little bit more of a meaningful kind of teaching and, uh, and sharing of information rather than more of a financial component. But essentially, the discipleship mode is going to be very similar to other scholarship programs that exist out there. So there will be somebody who I believe is called a discipler and they are the ones who have possession or ownership of the crab NFTs and they can then rent them out to a disciple who can then play the game and share the profits with the discipler. Um, so it's a great way, low cost barrier to entry way that people can join the game and earn a living. And we expect this to become pretty well known because the scholarship mode has worked for a lot of other play to earn games in terms of attracting uh, attention. Um, and so we do expect there to be quite a bit of inflow of new players after this mode releases whether it's individuals or also potentially guilds as well. Um, and there's actually something that the game is doing, which I believe is very innovative, and they plan on introducing a loan-to-earn model. So this is something that I haven't heard of other games doing, but essentially, if a scholar can put down, a, or a disciple can put down a little bit of a down payment, they can take a loan from the game essentially and play with a crab and eventually become the owner of it once they pay it off with the with the in-game earnings so that's really i thought interesting that's, so yeah, yeah you're almost like mortgaging your your crab <laughs> i guess right right <laughs> definitely so i don't know like the loan terms at the moment but mm. i just felt that the ethos of that was very empowering to potential disciples that want to be owners eventually and i think that's got to be one of the most i i I've, I've said this for quite a long time but i think in any play and earn ecosystem i think it's great to reduce barriers to entry by introducing programs like this exact program we're talking about right now where you bring in individuals that don't necessarily have the upfront capital to be able to straight up buy some of these nfts straight away and begin playing and earning so they can rent them and things that the, the challenge that i see though is that when that's over indexed on the the path to player ownership becomes very very challenging and ultimately you just end up bleeding out um both the reward tokens out of the ecosystem and not really ever giving these these players that are grinding a lot to become owners themselves. So I always love to see things like this, this in place. Um, now, I, 
it seems one thing that I've noticed from Krabada is the community in particular is has got to be one of the more passionate, supportive ones that I have have seen in all honesty across, to be honest, a lot of Web three. Um, can you can you talk to some of the things that are being built by the community? Because I've I've, I've seen like whole tools built out and things like that that have been really really great to see. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think that is actually one of the main ways that people have been finding out about this game is the grassroots community efforts that have been spawning up. And I'm not sure how you heard about the game, but um, I kind of heard about it word of mouth as well. And the, the crabs themselves are very cartoony. You know, there's a lot of people with the crab emojis in their Twitter handles. So that stands out. Um, but like you mentioned, a lot of grassroots tooling and community-led initiatives have been popping up. So a couple examples of these are the Krabata Tracker, which is a very robust tool that shows your daily earnings, um, stats on your crabs, floor prices, um, all sorts of information. And this was just built by a group of a small dev team that was just really passionate about the game and they decided to make a great tool for the community. Um, it's such I a think, good, I, I will actually yeah. say myself, it's such a good tool. I, it, it, it's, I, I could see this being like a valuable tool that from an interface perspective, things like that could be plugged into lots of different Playdown ecosystems would be enormous value add. But that was the thing that made me kind of just be able to get a handle of a lot of things uh, with relative ease was the Cravata Tracker tool. So huge shout out to the people that created that. It's it's an incredible, largely free tool as well for, for people to use. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's a team of great guys who are doing that. Um, shout out to Josh, who uh, I've spoken to a couple of times. And yeah, they're providing immense value to the community. And uh, I do think that they released a more in-depth version recently, but up until now, they've been doing it uh, completely free. Um, and so, yeah, that and, for example, another project called Crab Radio, which is a grassroots Twitter spaces that happens um, every single Thursday for, you know, the past few months. Essentially, a group of Krabata enthusiasts got together and decided to talk about crabs every single <laughs> week for like an hour and a half or two hours sometimes. And so... Yeah, me seeing all this made me really passionate about the game and hopeful about where it's going. And um, yeah, I was actually just a community member myself. But um, as I got more into the game, I eventually, you know, joined Krabadao and have become an official contributor in the Krabada official Discord. So yeah, well, well, speaking about community-led initiatives. Why don't we why don't we talk a little bit about Krabadal? Because I think there's you've given an excellent overview of the Krabada ecosystem. There's a lot of really exciting stuff happening there. But I also think, you know, another thing that I found very interesting um, from some of the Twitter threads that I initially started doing research on was what you're all doing over in Krabadal. So maybe you could just give a bit of an overview of what Krabadal actually is and uh, kind of the, the the role that it's playing for the wider Krabata ecosystem. And uh, yeah, just a bit of an overview for, for everyone listening. 
Yeah, absolutely. So as you could probably tell from the name, Krabba Dao is a Dao that's focused on the game of Krabata only at the moment. But essentially, our goal is to help onboard new users who may feel as if there's a very high barrier to entry to Krabata. Um, and speaking of right now, since you need around three crabs to get started in the idle game, um, it's a few thousand dollars at the moment. But we essentially offer fractionalized ownership, and we also play the game for you and give back the rewards to you um, 100%. So essentially what that means is you could buy one of our fractionalized NFTs for about two AVAX, which comes out to currently just under $200 at the moment right now. And so financially, it's a little bit easier to get into. Also, the game itself does have a lot of elements, so you may be a little bit afraid of hopping in. And so we lower the educational component initially as well for you by essentially automatically playing the game. Um, we've got automated um, systems that allow us to operate and manage these crabs um, for people. And yeah, currently on the community side, we don't take any fees. So we give 100% of those fees back to our users. And um, the users who are part of our DAO can essentially put forth proposals and suggestions um, as to what we should do with those funds. And so one cool example recently has been uh, a community member reached out to us and asked us if we could potentially charge a small fee for, for the profits and reinvest that into more crabs for the users themselves. So essentially, the value of each NFT could go up over time. Interesting. So uh, ultimately, you would just start increasing your inventory from the profits you're creating from the existing crabs, pulling that out and just building an ever expanding uh, kind of army of, of crabs. How, how, do you know roughly how many crabs you, you own as a, as a DAO right now? Yeah, so the community side, we've got about a few hundred crabs right now that we're managing for the community. So it, it is definitely a decent amount, um, but primarily we're here to help educate and bring people into the community as well. So how does the, if you're not taking performance fees right now, how are you, how's the DAO generating revenue at this, at this stage? Is there, is there stuff outside of just the, the, the core community NFTs that, uh, that you're doing? Yeah. So there's actually two different ways. So the first one is that the team itself, we have our own crabs that we also use and manage using the same system. So we actually do pretty well generating revenue that way. And the second way is that we offer private management of crabs. So this is for people who are existing users or people who want to bring in potentially larger amounts of capital. And what we'll do is basically do a hands-on white glove service where we'll consult your um, team. We'll take a look and offer suggestions on how we, we think you could further optimize. Um, 
We also have our own inventory, so we can potentially swap out crabs for you, which is a nice service. And then we also do a lot of reporting and things of that nature for our private customers. Um, and so we do charge a fee on that side of things. Um, but for people who essentially want to be very hands off and want to automate what they're doing right now, um, you know, we charge less than one mine mine's worth uh, of uh, service fees. So essentially time that the users would be sleeping instead of playing the game. Yeah, that's, I mean, it seems like a, a great service, not just for, uh, on one side you've got, okay, you're lowering barriers to entry here for people that don't have huge capital to get started. But I, I imagine that even if you have sizable uh, capital to invest, if you don't have the time commitment to make the most use of those those crabs or the strategic kind of knowledge to make it work, then working with with you and the teams probably makes a whole lot of sense. Um, I, I think this is a super interesting pro, uh, additional layer on top of the Krabada ecosystem that's clearly very additive to Krabada and isn't extracting value outside of it. Um, and I haven't seen this uh, a whole lot um, across other player and ecosystems. It's, it's, it caught my attention uh, when when I saw some of the many, many people tweeting me as I ask for where do I get started with Krabada and Krabadao came up nearly every single tweet, which was which was really fun. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we we like the crabs and we <laughs> plan on you know helping the community get more involved in the future. So we'll be participating in the discipleship modes that are coming out and potentially taking on disciples ourselves. So um, be on the lookout for that as well. Yeah, definitely. And uh, just before we wrap up, because I think we've covered a whole a whole host of great stuff. What what are you personally most excited about? You, you know, we talked about a lot of different uh, releases that are happening um, over over the coming month or so. What are you most excited about personally for what's going to be launched inside Krabada? Yeah, absolutely. I'm just most excited about the ambitious roadmap that the team has set out. Um, there's plenty of catalysts that I believe people in the Krabata community are looking forward to that just improve the overall experience. So whether it's the lowering of the gas fees by being on its own subnet to improved gameplay, that's going to be a lot more fun and exciting through the battle mode, adventure mode. Um, I think it's going to be very, very engaging and fun, and I can't wait for more people to hear about it. Great. Well, listen, I think everyone listening is going to be digging in and figuring out uh, how they can go snap up some crabs, no pun intended, unfortunately. But uh, thank you so much, Bumsy, for coming on the the podcast, sharing everything about Krabada. I'll make sure that I share out links to all of the the great resources you mentioned, as well as uh, the Krabada website and Krabadao. And we'll be following both what's happening on the Krabada side and what you and the rest of the community are building with Krabadao and beyond. So thanks again. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me, Matthew.
Thanks for listening. If you love this episode and want to show your appreciation, why not subscribe on Spotify, iTunes, or your favorite podcasting platform and leave us a positive review. You want to catch up on all of the previous episodes? Why not visit decryptingcrypto.xyz, follow us on Twitter at decryptopodcast, and if you'd like to be a guest on the show or just want to leave us some personal feedback, email us at podcast at decryptingcrypto.xyz. The contents of the Decrypting Crypto podcast should not be used and are not intended as investment advice. Please do your own due diligence before making any investment, cryptocurrency or otherwise.